You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Drink up, heathens. (laughs) Got my espresso. Is that now? Yep. You got it up. Welcome to the Morning Startup, cool. where we believe you can develop neural pathways that will awaken you to a full heart and clear mind. Live with joy, health, and success. I'm your host, Michael Oliver, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Deborah Dyack and Maria Gosher. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we've got a... I'm really super excited because in our intro, we talked about our two co-hosts, um, Maria and Deborah, but actually we've got um, one co-host with Deborah and our guest today... Mm-hmm is our own Maria Gosher. So we're really happy to have you here, Maria. So welcome. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Feels like home. Yes, just like home. So um, Maria is a partner in Mintation, and she has a very interesting story. And Deborah and I know her very well, but we thought that um, our audience could benefit from hearing about um, Maria's story. Uh, she is an entrepreneur. She is a multi-passionate, creative educator, entrepreneur, and so... Mitations, um really part of their mission is to be joyful and to find that place of joy within yourself and to be able to translate that into other things you do, especially about the work that you do. So um, we want to have that conversation because that's very important to Maria. And so we thought that um, it would be a good opportunity for us to share her journey into finding that place of joy in the work she does and tying that into what she has defined as creative grit. And so we're going to get to talking more about what that really means. And when we talk about the joy, it it has been written um, about tying joy into work. Um, Richard Sheridan, Joy Inc., the CEO and founder of Menlo Innovations, wrote a book on joy. He's based in Ann Arbor, I think, isn't Mm -hmm. he? Yeah. Yeah. So he's in Ann Arbor. Uh, Grit, the Power and Passion of Perseverance by Angela Duckworth, Duckworth talks about grit and so we tie those things together, and we find that those are some of the important ingredients, especially in you're in the world of startups and entrepreneurs. So, Maria, welcome. And I thought we would just start out by you sharing a little bit about how did you end up where you are? So meaning the idea about pursuing your path and finding out that not everybody gets into the world of entrepreneurship and startups. So how did, you, how did that start for you? Uh. That's a loaded question. Um, well, let's see. I was born on this date. No. <laughs> um, I, I think I've always known that I wanted to do my own thing for as long as I can remember. Um, I always just liked being creative, and I can't really imagine doing anything else, doing the same thing day after day, like what a typical job might be. Um, just is torturous like no other to me. <laughs> um, I think there's something about creativity where um, if I forget about creativity, the creativity in me has not forgotten. So it's like okay. this thing that's inside of me that's it's just like busting at the seams of like, be creative, do something. Um, but I started off when I was younger, I, I drew a lot. So I draw cartoons, not as much like anymore, but I would like religiously just draw like every cartoon I would watch on TV and there was a cartoonist that had a TV show um, Bruce Blitz amazing cartoonist Um, I would study his show Uh, my dad was an artist so he can draw so I get my style from him and um, 
I would draw like Marvin the Martian over and over <laughs> and until I got it right to like perfection. And so um, that's kind of where the kind of creativity started. I wrote a letter to Disney and I was like, hey, I want to work for Disney. And they responded back. I was like really, really young, probably like elementary school. <laughs> and they're like, get an education and then come back and you can work for Disney. <laughs> and um, so that kind of stuck in my head. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I got to go to school and do all this stuff. Uh, funny thing is I've never been to Disney World or Land or... Even up to current Yeah, current yeah, time. never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so... And I would draw... Um, cartoons of what my office would look like so um, I have a lot of those still so I've I've always wanted my own kind of gig and um, it wasn't until I got older when I realized that a job is you know you you get a job because you got to get you know paid to pay your bills and whatever but as a kid it's like oh well this job you can do whatever you want you can create stuff and did you always have that creative um like even though you knew as you got older that you know it, it became obvious that you needed a, a job yeah but did you always have that kind of creative bubble inside you always kind of around you so to speak i mean you mm-hmm. were drawing but were there other things that you got involved in as you kind of went through you know got into elementary then you get into high school mm-hmm. you know was it just the artists kind of drawing stuff or did you find yourself expanding into other areas? Yeah. So I started off with the kind of drawing stuff and then it ventured into once I got to like, I think it was high school. I started getting interest in coding. Uh, So, so I want to stop (laughs) you there for a minute because I think that's very fascinating to me. So, and you're going to help me out with this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Getting interested in coding, so you're speaking specifically of a language, a computer mm-hmm. language, right? Yeah, it's not common for women to get mm-hmm. to be – I mean, the, the world of coding is dominated by men. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah. And so to have, you know, to have a, a young woman mm-hmm. get involved in coding is fair to say that's kind of an odd thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not within the norm. So right. what drew you to that? Was there, I mean, yeah. is it mathematical? Is, is, you know what, I just find it interesting okay. of what, what drew you to that? Um, with coding, I didn't know that I had an interest in coding until I realized I had to do coding to solve the problem that I was trying to solve. So entrepreneurship is all about solving problems. And when I was young, I would go on websites, so I was like a huge music fan. We were just talking about music, <laughs> but my genres of music are a little bit different. Um, I would go to websites and of the music artists, and the websites, I thought, were like just kind of poorly designed. Um, so I was constantly critiquing things, uh, visual you know, design, aesthetics, and I was like, I could make uh, this website better. So I would redesign, redesign in quotes, websites of music artists on my own. They don't know that I'm doing this. Although I did get some shout outs from some music artists when I did do their sites. But um, so I would design it visually and then in like Photoshop or some similar program. And then like, okay, well, I have to build it now. Mm -hmm. So and the Internet said you have to do this coding to build it. So that's how I learned coding. And then I fell in love with with coding. But it's like, okay, I have... At the time, they're like big, huge buttons. Like I, my very, very first site was like this 
bright red and white website and with big honking buttons <laughs> like the size of a car that you click on. And um, but like you code that one little first button and it's like that's amazing. Like this language is like creating something visual. And and then you add another component and another and then it's like you got this whole presentation and so I got obsessed. And I'm interested with your humanitarian path with saying that, which I find interesting, the artist mm-hmm. and, and the coding. What got you onto the path of your humanitarian efforts? And you can explain what that what is, work, yeah. what yeah. creative work you're doing in that regard. Yeah. So I did do a lot of volunteer work when I was kind of first starting out. So, um, you know, I think... You know, I did a lot of stuff to get experience, but I also did a lot of things because I was passionate about certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, one of the first groups that did volunteer work was for a task force that basically provided resources and support information for people that might be at risk or involved in substance abuse, alcohol, and that kind of thing. And that helps the youth and things like that. And I learned a tremendous amount through that experience. I still work with them today as much as I can. Um, and and being involved with a lot of people that are want to do the same, some big mission, you know, just like they're your community and they're coming together to do something cool. That is just like so, makes me so happy. <laughs> um, and well, I think you've combined the power of your gift of the coding, learning mm-hmm. that the media that you work with can mm-hmm. do a big reach out and have yeah. a significant impact on the things that you decide are important in your life. Mm-hmm. So that has to be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Knowing and that's probably makes the connection mm-hmm. to joy, right? I mm-hmm. mean, so now mm-hmm. can we bring that piece in because that's right? Yeah. Like that made you really happy or, mm-hmm. but I'm drawing that link, Deb, that you said that this is kind of an internal, mm-hmm. right? That you've been able to translate through right. the, what you were talking about, right? The particular media. Right. Mm-hmm. Like your gift is more than just your gift of, of coding. You learned that, but then you were able to take it and use it mm-hmm. to apply it to the things that you're passionate yeah. about, which I think a lot of people get locked into a path mm-hmm. where coding, that's what I do. I code, code, yeah. code instead of using it. Right. Yes. Yeah. The application of it to make a better world. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is like the best thing you can do is to apply it. Um, I see that with students a lot too. They'll take classes and they think, okay, I'm just going to learn this skill Mm -hmm. and then you're done. But with me, when I went to school, it was like, I'm going to take in every class, whatever the project is, I'm going to make it something where it serves a purpose of some sort. And that's when school gets fun and exciting is you do have to put a little bit of effort to make it worthwhile. But um, going back to your question, so I, I did a lot of volunteer work in, in that kind of sector. And then uh, when I got to grad school, I pursued a project where um, I was working on a web app. And it's kind of on hiatus now because I don't have as much time to work on it, but it'll come back <laughs> <laughs> when I have the time. Um, but I was working on a web application where uh, it helps people living with or at risk for HIV find resources and support. And it first started off with an idea of a medical adherence app, a medication adherence, like reminder to take your medication at a certain time. 
And so uh, this came from a problem I was trying to solve where someone that I know was uh, dealing with, um, you know, HIV sector and that kind of stuff. You have to take a lot of medications. And um, so I was like, well, I'll help you remember to take your medications. And um, little did I know, because I didn't do research at the time, that those apps already exist. <laughs> There's like <laughs> a whole slew of apps that help you take, you know, remember to take your meds. Um, but it turned into this big kind of project. Uh, I had a team that was amazing, uh, did a variety of pitch competitions through grad school, got funding, um, and it kind of, we started interviewing people that were at risk or living with HIV, AIDS, like we interviewed pretty much everyone it felt like on the planet. <laughs> um, and that was very, very powerful. Um, it was hard to get out of my comfort zone. I'm very introverted very shy. I don't really like talking to people per se because I'm very <laughs> introverted. But um, but once, you know, we just talked to like hundreds of people and we just listened to their story. And then we realized, oh, well, they just need like basic resources and health and human services. And so we kind of pivoted. And uh, now the web app is basically you could think of it like a library of resources where people can find info. Well, what's fascinating to me, Maria, is I think with COVID, I mean, that's in your face. Mm -hmm. The HIV and AIDS used to be, mm -hmm. but I'm ignorant. I, mm -hmm. I assume that because I'm not hearing about it as much, mm -hmm. that there isn't a need yeah. that we have solved it, that that there aren't many people mm -hmm. with AIDS and HIV. Could you discuss yeah. that? Because I think that's important for listeners to realize yeah, there's a need. I wish that was the case. But, um, yeah, like I have some stats from when uh, – these these are from like a couple years ago, though. So I haven't updated the stats since, but um, but I can guarantee that the, fact, the stats are the same, if not more. Um, but um, – Back in 2015, uh, you're looking at worldwide 2.1 million new HIV cases every single year. Seriously? Yeah. And if we're narrowing it that down to the United States, that's like about 50,000 new cases a year. And then if we get closer to home, there were about 20,000 people in Michigan living with HIV. And 13,000 of those were in southeast Michigan. So it's very prevalent. Um, and like I said, these numbers are a little bit, you know, older, but um, I don't think it's going to be too far off still today. Um, but, you know, HIV is something where if you get it, you might not show symptoms of it for a couple years. So, um, you know, people might have it and they don't even know it. And um, But it is still um, a problem, unfortunately. And it's a very stereotyped condition. Absolutely. So a lot of people don't like talking about it. As it is, um, and that was challenging to find research on it um, because a lot of people don't like talking about it, and so. But that's you know how can you solve problems if you don't talk right, about it? Right. Um, but um, but yeah, there's a lot of great organizations that are um, you know fighting it and trying to make it better, um, and so there's still a lot of work to be done though. Do you find that you get a lot of support from the community when you do a reach out? Do you get positive? Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, it's always been pretty much positive. Minus like when I first started um, my project and the very first event where I like pitched my idea. So um, I had someone, a mentor, tell me, hey, you got to validate your idea and, and see what people think. And so I did like a presentation or whatever. I got a table at some event. And like the first person that came up to me was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> like, and that was like the first person ever. And like my confidence went like down to zero. Um, but uh, you learn not to take, you know, right. one person's view as, as final. And um, it's really been nothing but support. Um, Isn't that, that the truth, though? You can <laughs> yeah. have 10 million compliments, but it's that one mm-hmm. right. negative shot that, right. that, that you hold on to or mm-hmm. people tend to hold on mm-hmm. to. You know, there was some research done about that, actually, where it takes like five compliments to override the energy of one <laughs> negative compliment. <laughs> mm, I believe it. I mean, something yeah. close to that. I mean, I'm not, I don't have the statistic per- no, perfect. No, but I believe it. But, you know, to your point, you could have someone saying really good things to yeah. you and then you get one and it's like just, it just flattens you out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 So when, where did you go from there? Like this. So from there, I think when you um, pursue, well, I was in grad school when I was in the, depth of this particular project and then I graduated and the team that I once had um, you know everyone kind of graduated and went their own way Um, and I had a full-time job there are moments where I was like just doing a million jobs on top of I mean I was staying up till like four o'clock in the morning nearly like every night (laughs) so it became a health hazard actually for me to um (laughs) You know, I was burned out. I got really burned out. And so I stepped back a little bit. And it, it's very um, costly sometimes to, like, get things going, you know. Um, and it's very time-consuming to uh, – entrepreneurship, you're constantly staying in contact with your audience. Mm-hmm. And um, I, like, became a team of one, and it got really hard. Yeah. So, um, So I had to step back, and I had to focus on – one paying for my the grad school debt that I had accumulated and uh and it's something that i'll I'll get back to eventually, but when the timing is right, yeah. how do you stay current with the tech it's a ever changing field i mean it's constantly growing and changing yeah. that part itself would consume a oh, lot yeah. of time i think so, how yeah. how do you do it? Yeah, sometimes I stress myself out because it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff, <laughs> and and I'm a, I like learning, so um, that just the learning never stops. But I do kind of have a little bit of a routine where I have favorited uh, websites that I can kind of skim and see what the latest stuff is in, in tech, and so I will spend a little bit of time at least every week kind of skimming those articles and um, I'm on a lot of newsletters, uh, email newsletters. So that information comes to my inbox and I'll scan it. Um, And I think this is really important for those of you who are listening, who are students, no matter what level, the learning never stops. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really great that you share that, that even though Mm -hmm. you are an expert in your field, because it's continually changing and growing, you mm-hmm. have to stay on top of your game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so yeah. you you schedule it actually into your mm-hmm. time management or whatever. 
however yeah. you manage your time. Yep. It's usually in the mornings where it's like nice and quiet or at night. <laughs> so usually before I sleep, if I'm not reading something, I'm fitting in some tutorial of how to do some coding thing like a nerd. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's excellent. But, I like yeah. what you said, Deb, about, um, you know, I know you have always been I'm a learner, Deb. I know you have too. It's like mm-hmm. we we use the term a lot, lifelong learners. But I think that's an important message because I think that in some people that learning stops. Like they get into the routine of their job, they know their job, mm-hmm. they do that every single day, but they're within that boundary and they're never really going beyond that boundary. Mm-hmm. And I think you can get away with that on your job. I I do. I think that, you know, you go to conferences or you go to what they call professional development and you get these kind of updates, if you will. But in entrepreneurship or startup, it's really different. Learning learning in that respect. Could you speak to the difference? Because I know that you've had exposure within a traditional work life mm-hmm. and I and currently as an entrepreneur and and, and someone who has run a, a number of startups, mm-hmm. the learning is different. Yeah. Can you speak to that difference where the difference between you're on a job, you go to a conference, you get some updates, and but as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. the learning is more deep or yeah. how would, could you speak to that a little bit? Um, I think like on a, I guess a standard job, you are a little bit more safe to kind of just kind of go with the flow a little bit, um, learn when you, when you can, go to a conference here or there. Um, like, and there's less risk. Less yeah, risk, there's yeah. And less expectation. Right. I mean, yeah. you're going to improve, but mm-hmm. you don't have to prove. Right, right. Right. With entrepreneurship, there's kind of this deeper um, risk level mm-hmm. of, you know, I don't want to say that like a regular job isn't like important or, or there's no driven mission for it. But with entrepreneurship, there is because you're so connected with your audience and your customers um, that, I mean, they have expectations that you're going to deliver something of value to them and they're communicating what that value is. And so you want to, you don't want to let them down. And um, because of that such close proximity and communication, there's a stress of I got to like keep going. Right. And there's the expectation. Yeah. So consumers now, especially they're, they're very educated Mm -hmm. and they have certain expectations. So Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, you're always having to know what that expectation is and then being able to fill it. But Deb, you were going to say something. Well, I do. The difference, it just hit me an aha moment Mm -hmm. when you're working for someone in a, in a full-time permanent position, they already have their objectives right. and their needs already laid out. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. it listed for you and they're directing you to right. what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's different as an entrepreneur who's always trying to stay on top of mm-hmm. many other people's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, it's it's going to be kind of a moving target as opposed right. to something that is permanent and yep. stable. Right, Yeah. Yeah, if you're kind of pursuing a very entrepreneurial venture, you could you just give it your all and it could all crash and burn at any moment. <laughs> and versus kind of a regular it's just a little bit more safe. Um you don't right. take as greater risks. Uh, it's a little bit more stable. Um 
but that's it's why. more forgiving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I like the the risk taking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a a bug. So I'm I want to tie back into the joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a bit probably of a a deep dive into this, and so there's two things that come to my mind. This idea about um, so I have a question, mm-hmm. and then I want to tie the joy in because I, when we talk, I mean, it's even on our website, you know, about, mm-hmm. you know, live joy. Mm-hmm. And so I know that a lot of people feel challenged, people that I have talked to into really what that looks like and how do you get there? Mm-hmm. Um, so my question has to do with the self-improvement, the idea about always looking to be better, mm-hmm. tie have some tie into that. And secondly, you know, how how does the because entrepreneurship is not an easy path. It, it's it's a painful path in a lot of ways. So, you know, we had that podcast mm-hmm. once, remember we talked about, I think it was um Don Miller's book. Oh yeah, yeah. You talked yeah. about that the pain mm-hmm. to make the gain type of thing. Mm-hmm. We have that podcast. So I have a lot going in my mind. It's like you were saying to me earlier or in this podcast earlier, you were saying, well, you know, I was doing a lot of things outside of my job, which had to do with the things that you're really passionate about mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur, but you actually burned out, which can't mm-hmm. be a very pleasant experience. Yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> um, then, so these are some, I know I'm kind of all over the place here, but I'm Asking to kind of help me tie mm-hmm. it together with mm-hmm. this idea about you got self improvement here, which I know that you're very mm-hmm. much. It's very important to all of us, actually. Mm-hmm. And then you have this idea about achieving this sense of accomplishment and joy that you've mm-hmm. connected to in the the humanitarian work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you kind of talk about how you get to that place? Mm-hmm. through the self-improvement, through the entrepreneurship, through the humanitarian mm-hmm. work, although it's painful at times, mm-hmm. but you find a great joy in it. So can yeah. you kind of talk about how yeah. you get there? That is confusing. Yeah, because <laughs> it is painful. It, um, and and there are a lot of lows, and I don't think people talk about the lows in entrepreneurship or doing your venture, whatever, project, hobby, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, the kind of creativity side in me doesn't forget it about me. Like it's always knocking, yeah. <laughs> always kind of a nag. And mm, yeah, I don't know if I have like a. Yeah. How do you keep motivated? How do you yeah. how no, do you keep that's... like like it would be so easy for you just to say, you know, it's a lot of work doing this. Which I for, which I think a lot yeah. of people do is why a lot of people right. end up working they for yes, they yes. Mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. No, but no. but to your point, it's yeah. it's the how do you stay motivated at that? Mm-hmm. How do you sustain that motivation? Yeah. So this kind of gets into one subject I'm really passionate about is is mentorship, and um, you know. It helps to have people that are that you look up to that are maybe doing what you want to be doing or they have they're just better at skill sets and you you have something to learn from them. Um, I've always made whatever season of my life I'm in, I've always made an effort to connect with a mentor somehow. Um, 
And I think it's, you know, friends and family are really supportive. I think that's, you know, important. Um, but I think that's also expected. It's kind of like a given. Like I, I would hope that my family mm-hmm. and friends are supportive of me. So it doesn't count as much. Um, not to say it's, it's not good, but, um, so connecting with a mentor, someone who can teach you stuff and also provide some encouragement for you to keep going. Like, and by mentoring, they're not telling you what to do. They're, they're giving you wisdom and advice, but they're going to have you make the decision yourself. I think that's very important. Um, so if you fall on your face, they will let you fall on your face. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, well, they'll survive that. They'll get back up. And then you talk about the lessons learned through that. Um, so mentorship is one thing that always keeps me going. Um, I listen to a lot of music. <laughs> That's the other thing that keeps me going. Um, but also just, um, you know, I think getting through the challenging stuff, the things that kind of maybe give you doubt in pursuing something uh, is a reason why I like self-improvement so much is because you really, really have to know yourself in order to do something joyful. Because if you don't know what brings you joy, right. 100%, it's hard to get there. Um, but that takes a lot of work. Learning about yourself is like ongoing and um, takes a lot of commitment and, and and it's hard. That's a hard place to look at sometimes. Yeah. Where you're at right now, what would you consider something that you're the most proud of or what you would consider your own personal greatest success? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I have like any, I mean, people probably look at me like, oh, you've done so many amazing things. (laughs) But I, I don't feel like that. I'm like, I don't look at myself that way. Like I've done a lot of great things because I think of the stuff that I have yet to do. Um, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that I just continued doing what what brings me joy, what I want to do. I could have easily have graduated from school, got a job somewhere and just, you know, have kind of a, you know, that kind of lifestyle. But I knew that I never wanted to do that. And um, even though to the outside world, they're probably like, Maria, you do so many things. How do you keep track or what are you even working on? Um, That might be confusing to some people, but for me, it's like that's how do what I you like keep doing. track? Though that's a good, that's a really good segue into a good question. How do you yeah. keep track when you have um, different priorities, different mm-hmm. projects, all different time deadlines, <laughs> yeah. and, and then you then you've got your forty to sixty, eighty hundred hour yeah. Yeah. a week work. I yeah. want to say it's a forty hour a week, but we know it's much yeah. more than that. Um, yeah, I can't say I'm really good at it. Um, when I when I do get in my flow state of working on something I like, I tend to lose track of time. Um, and so, hence, I usually stay up late. But I, I kind of just kind of go with my gut feeling of what I should be working on at this moment or that day type thing. Um, not a very specific schedule. I wish I did have one that was more specific. But What is a flow state? That's fascinating oh, to me because it sounds like meditation or mm. being in the zone. What mm-hmm. in your, um, based on your understanding and experience, what is a flow state? Yeah, so I would describe it as this complete immersion into whatever it is that you're working on where you lose total track of time and you lose kind of any 
perception of anything around you. You're just totally focused and drilled in and, and almost like the work that you're doing is effortless and uh, you don't have to think very hard. Or if you do come across something that's challenging, it just you get through it without any hesitation. It's just nice and calm, just works as it should. Those are the best <laughs> states to be in. As a, as a writer, I experienced that, but I can't say that the product <laughs> is worth all the investment. But I, I've ex- I, I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, and and it is like a, a, a meditative state. It's mm-hmm. very relaxing and calming. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Even if the work is stressful, it's still relaxing. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, this leads to um, another piece. So we're exploring this whole idea of entrepreneurship and startups and finding your place of joy. And I think what we're coming – what we're finding is that um, joy has a lot of different facets to it. Mm-hmm. Joy has a lot of work involved in it mm-hmm. and not necessarily are you always going to be in a flow state mm-hmm. to be joyful. You know, flow mm-hmm. states come and go, and sometimes mm-hmm. they happen unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. But you can be in a place of joy and still having to work hard. You can still be in a place of joy mm-hmm. and being really tired. You yeah. can still be in a place of joy. It's this – I think that what you're really hitting on is that you make sure that you're always fueled with joy. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I hear this. Mm-hmm. And and the misnomer is, I think, with joy or is that, oh, we're always so like, oh, this is just so wonderful and, you know, we're just doing. But it's like, no, it's you can be joyful but tired. You can be joyful mm-hmm. and challenged. You can be joyful and – but I think when you're out of that place of joy, that's where you feel angry, frustrated, mm-hmm. fatigued, gossipy, arguing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you can tell, right? Mm-hmm. And we know people in both of those camps. Yeah. So yeah. I think – for me, when I hear you talking as much, is that you've you've always been able to connect to joy because it that's the motivator because mm-hmm. you want to satisfy that that urge to be part of community to give to discover right. that's the exciting part. Although it carries with it these challenges, mm-hmm. it still provides you with a sense of joy. Yeah. Um, so well, an anchor that I think you have that you've always talked about is self-reflection. Mm-hmm. That self-reflection piece of journal writing so that you go back to those moments of frustration or go back to the moments of joy and mm-hmm. and and continuously improve, mm-hmm. continuously make improvements upon past experiences. Mm-hmm. So can you would you mind sharing again because I know that that you are a journal person mm-hmm. and you love journaling and yeah. the self-reflection and what what role has that played in in all your many, many roles mm-hmm. as a businesswoman? Yeah, journaling has always been something that kind of has been part of my life. I think it's changed and morphed a lot into different types of journaling, depending on where I'm at in life. Uh, like currently, I have a couple different journaling stuff. So I have a journal that I call my progress journal. And so in there, I just write down the wins. So I am my worst um, critic when it comes to critiquing myself and like, oh, Maria, you should have done this or you could be doing better here, um, that I forget and often overlook the things I have done. Uh, so so if I do something that is like a win, then I write it down so I can go back and be like, see, Maria, you're making progress. Um, 
I have a gratitude journal. I've always been big on that. Uh, so like write three things that you're grateful for, that kind of thing. Um, so looking back on that also kind of brings me joy if I'm not in a joyful state. The gratitude, if you could just explain the three grateful things, how does gratitude bring you joy? Oh, yeah. It's so um, that like when I was younger and I was first getting into self-improvement, um, I had some people that like I was just, I felt like really grateful for like that they helped me and uh, mentored me. And there was like one week where I like wrote a gratitude letter for like everyone that I could think <laughs> of. I mean, it was like just so weird to me, um, but I felt like I had to had to do that. And it felt so amazing, like to express gratitude that it felt like a life changing moment for me when that happened. Um, and so ever since, you know, gratitude journal of, you know, I mean, and I think there's no wrong way to journal or, you know, for me, it's just listing, you know, what are you grateful for today or what were you, what have you been grateful for? Like, you know, maybe you do it at night or the morning, whatever. Um, and they're just phrases for me. It's like, you know, it could be something as simple as, I have a really awesome cat who acts like a human um, or like, <laughs> like something like I'm really grateful that uh, this person took the time to listen to me as I was talking. Um, so that kind of thing. I'm not sure if I answered your question. Yes, though. you did. Because <laughs> I think when you connect into gratitude, you are connecting to your truth and mm -hmm. to that part of your brain that connects to joy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. you're constantly going back to your truth and the mm -hmm. love of who you are and what you do mm -hmm. with, with the gratitude. And, and I think being grateful or gratitude is essential in, in success. And it's mm -hmm. something that maybe people aren't learning in business school, right. but that mm -hmm. I think is a powerful tool to pass along to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If every day people just had three things, yeah. mm -hmm. what a difference it would make in, in the lives of the people with whom they work and also their own. Right, right. Yeah, it makes me think too of like, um, so I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey and we talk about him a lot. <laughs> um, where in his organization, every single morning, his entire team, now he has, gosh, close Thousand to thousands, 1200 employees. Yeah, 1200 yeah. employees or something like that. They get together, um, probably not the same with the COVID stuff, but they get together in the same room and they discuss the mission of their company. And so everyone knows where they're going and they discuss, um, you know, customers that did their debt free scream or, um, so Dave Ramsey, if you don't know, he helps people get out of debt. And, um, and that is a really kind of a great practice of staying in joy is why are you doing the work that you're doing? Right. And your mission statement is not to be meant to, is not meant to be stuck on a wall in a frame it is meant to be action. It's meant to live it out. And so that's why I like doing volunteer work. That is why I like doing entrepreneurial stuff when I'm working close with the people that I'm trying to help is that you get those thank yous like, oh, thank you for, you know, working on a project to try to help me and my family. Or um, I have like a whole box of thank yous that I keep. And if I need to like remind myself about why I'm doing what I'm doing, I'll just go through that box. And, and if you think about it, gratitude and, and what you're talking about is connection. Mm -hmm. It's staying connected and realizing that the world is so much more than just us. Right. 
that that out mm-hmm. there, that connection is so important. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And I think what you what you give you get. Yeah. Right. I think Deb, you said once, if you think how did you say that? If you think you can, you can. If you think you won't, you won't. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. same idea. So, you know, instead of living and immersing yourself in like what what's going wrong mm-hmm. and what's how someone wronged you or what's not going right, mm-hmm. you actually provide you know, that energy is coming right back to you, mm-hmm, right? It's mm-hmm. the giving and receiving type of thing. What the gratitude does is it allows that energy, positiveness, joy, that light, that mm-hmm. light to be, to the light. right? Right. Has, right. Mm-hmm. Which, which Wa talked right. about. But that mm-hmm. idea is, is that you take part in that. And so you help with that, you know, exchange, which then kind of grows exponentially as mm-hmm. if you practice that, which is why having right. gratitude and joy is, is mm-hmm. so important. And going back to actually making that a practice. So what mm-hmm. I really like hearing is that you actually have, it's actually a practice. Not mm-hmm. many people give conscious, mindful thoughts, exactly. right? To, to right. think about what they're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, we can be wired, you know, we're, we're kind of wired to the negativity. You know, there's a whole book on it, but I don't go on, go into that here. But the idea is that you have to, be very conscious and and in that moment of thinking about what you're grateful for and what you really appreciate in mm-hmm. your life. And that energy can begin to really stir that kind of emotion and then drive more good things to happen mm-hmm. and exist. And in especially your life. now during this time, what you're seeing. And I know we keep mm-hmm. saying this over and over, but mm-hmm. not only with as a businesswoman or or projects that you're working on, but just in this time in general is to find gratitude and things that you are grateful for when everything, when the world around you seems, seems chaotic, you right. know, like chaotic mm-hmm. um, and, and to be able to smile. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how she worded it, but when she just said, oh, yeah, the, the, we've got a pandemic going on right yeah. now. Yeah. But, but as a result, there has been a lot more connection mm-hmm. and a lot mm-hmm. more awareness on we need each other and mm-hmm. we need the reflection. Yeah. Sometimes when you slow down, you realize what you're losing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I agree. You know, yeah. you get into a pattern of so trying to take on and doing so much that you don't. And I think that, Deb, that's what you're kind of getting at. It's mm-hmm. when through through this kind of staying home you know, I've heard people say, you know, I notice people are spending time together. Families are taking walks together. Families are eating together. Mm-hmm. Families are doing things together. People are doing, mm-hmm. you know, that they normally wouldn't do. And it gives you, and for for those that choose to take part in it, you know, they take mm-hmm. part in the self-reflection. They they think about what they're grateful for. Well, you feel the joy. Mm-hmm. You don't lose yeah. the joy as right. a result of the pandemic. You don't let that virus take that away mm-hmm. from you. Right. No mm-hmm. one can take that joy away right. from you. Right. Before our time is up, I, I know that one of your really big project is Brand Roots. Mm-hmm. I would really love to hear a little about what Brand Roots is all about and, and talking about that grit that Michael was talking about. And I see that there are like four yeah. major bullet focus points, points or yeah. bullet points. <laughs> would you mind sharing yeah. with us? Yes. What is that? Brand Roots is... Um, Something kind of is kind of new, although it's been in my head, I think, my entire life. Where, um, so I do client work, and that's my business called Creative Seed. You know, I do design and development work 
Um, and I love that work, but I also love um, just teaching. And um, I've always wanted to do some kind of mentorship program uh, for either for anyone really that wants to learn design and development and marketing and the whole gamut of creative stuff. Um, and so Brand Roots is kind of basically this place where I'm sharing everything that I've learned um, to aspiring creatives that uh, they, you know, a place for them to learn the foundational skill sets of design development, business, um, basically all the things I think a person needs to know as a well-rounded um, creative uh, rather than just focusing on one skill set. Um, and it's a place to also grow your internal um, confidence. So I think there's a lot of people that like to pursue creativity and then they get crushed by lack of confidence or something and then they stop. And so um, I think your internal joy needs to be, you know, found and, and realized um, in order to do creative work. So, but the, the four kind of bullet points that kind of stemmed mm -hmm. um, brand roots is um, when I think about all the work I've done in my life and, and I've hit many blocks, I have like many stories. I mean, I couldn't talk forever. <laughs> the number of people that said, you can't do this and you can't do that. <laughs> right. And the internal side of me is like, yeah, well, watch me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> <Down there>. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so when I think about, you know, what, why do I keep going or what makes me keep going? I think of a couple of different, four different points. And so the first one is that in order to be succeed in the creative, you know, realm or pursue it full time and do your thing, uh, you have to be curious. I think that's the most important. Um, but it's not just being curious about design and, and development and creating things, but it's also being curious about yourself. So we're just talking about self improvement. Um, because if you don't, ask questions about yourself and how you behave and how you think, um, then you're you're probably more likely to get stuck when a roadblock pops up. Well, some people say that yeah, that curiosity is the heart of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So, um, so you have to learn how to ask questions and not be afraid to ask questions. Um, and then the second bullet point is that you have to continuously create. You just have to practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. You have to fail fast, as they would say, in entrepreneur, entrepreneurship um, and pivot if you need to pivot. Um, but um, fall on your face a lot and um, you'll get used to it. <laughs> you just get back up and do it again. Um, that's how you get better, obviously. And then the next point is that you have well, to... I want to go back to that for just one second. Yeah. So you're saying mistakes are serve as an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to learn. learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's a good example. Yeah. And it's an important example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think for people who are still learn, you know, whether they're starting a company or they're working for a company, uh, you have to, in order to grow, you have to be, you have to get your mindset into not being defensive right. when somebody offers you something or some feedback of some sort. Some might call it it's criticism. Yeah. But even with that, even with the criticism, you still have to be able to look to the learning within that piece mm -hmm. and not to get defensive about it because then you build walls and you separate right. yourself. Right. But isn't as, an, as yeah. an you know, with the entrepreneurship, 
you always have to be asking those questions mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you always have to be learning. Right. Well, it's putting right. a so. different spin on failing. Mm-hmm. Failing is mm-hmm. actually nothing more than a learning opportunity. step, mm-hmm. yeah. an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just share this. So if my sons are listening, I'm sorry, but this, <laughs> this was just really powerful for me as a mother when my sons did not want to take piano lessons or karate at some point because they didn't know mm. anything about it. Mm, mm-hmm. So they didn't want I said that's where you learn. Right. Said, no, we don't know anything about mm-hmm. it. We're not mm-hmm. we're not going there. Mm-hmm. Well they've all become very successful since then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I will share that. But yeah. I think that's powerful for people to know mm-hmm. is just keep getting up. Yeah, yeah. And I, and you know, if you are finding yourself becoming very defensive towards whatever it is that you created that's where I think that's why it's important to really be curious about yourself because you have to ask yourself a hard question. Why is this mm-hmm. stirring so much emotion yes. out of me? The self-reflection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And um, so that's really, really key. Um, and then it kind of leads into the next point of consciously being careful about what you consume. So being oh. careful about what information you're consuming in, in the field, you know, is that the right way to do coding or, you know, the, does that meet the coding standards or is that accurate information of design or whatever? Um, so there's the industry aspect of it, but then there's the internal aspect of it where, um, are you listening to people when they tell you you can't do that or what is your self-talk? Okay. I'm going back Even to more important. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I self-talk to myself all the time, like, Oh, you're not getting enough for that or that or that. Um, but I, I, know myself enough to know that, oh, that's just negative self-talk. Like, go away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you consume that and you take everything so literally, um, every negative thought, then you're going to have a hard time going somewhere um, creatively, um, especially if you want to do it as your full-time work. And then the last thing would be to carefully contribute. Um, Anything that you produce, whatever creative pieces, you're contributing to the world in some way could be good or it could be bad. Um, so I think you need to be mindful about why you're doing something. And especially to if you're doing, you need experience in, in the field, you know, you just graduated and you need some experience for your portfolio. Uh, well, don't just volunteer like anywhere, anywhere. <laughs> like don't mm-hmm. just, you know, do free work for like, you know, five years or something because you think you're new or people are telling you that you don't have any experience and you have to get some. Do something where you get connected with the right people and you're contributing in a way where um, you're not getting ripped off um, and you're also getting mentorship um, if, you know, whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, like I've gotten ripped off so many times to where it's like, Maria, why why did you do that? Um, and Because I wasn't being aware of what I was actually contributing to. And I think by having so many different um people that you're working with, you're always in a vulnerable position. It mm-hmm. seems that you, when you have a permanent position, you do get complacent. You don't mean to, and mm-hmm. I'm just saying mm-hmm. you don't mean to, but I can see where there could there could be a lot of negative talk because you're always mm-hmm. being judged, being evaluated mm-hmm. more so than the day-to-day, the day-to-day right. full-time position. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that is good advice mm-hmm. is... Well, you're always having to be on as an entrepreneur. Right. You're always on. Yeah. So when, I mean, you have a, and again, I want to be clear that there's nothing, 
this is a judgment on if you have a job and work for someone versus an entrepreneurship. There's just right. different. No, you can still have but the same mindset you can, if, you, right. if you want to right. find the joy in everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think with, um, you know, with entrepreneurship, you're, you're always, you, you are, you, you're mm-hmm. always on and you're always required to, I guess, you're always, re- I don't know, I got lost there for a minute. Yeah. I don't know if it's always required to self-reflect or always challenge yourself, but I mean, you, you take a couple of missteps and, you know, it, well, it could. She's in it, the spotlight. Yeah. You're it. You're it. If a company's coming to you right. to build something, you're it. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. isn't like when you're working at a company, you've got teams of right. people. Oh, that's where I was going. Thanks, right. Deb. God, yeah. you're so good. That's, <laughs> that's how we roll. It's really, I love it. The idea of, of when you're working, there's a lot of layers to a company. So, mm-hmm. you know, the decision is is not always your decision. Right, it, right. It's based on what, what your boss is going to do and then what, what their boss is going to do. And they got to go through the filters or what do they have to go through? Right. It isn't always, you may want to do something or decide on something or may not want to do something or you're being told to do something. I mean, it's, it's a hierarchy of stuff, but as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, it's on you. Right. And, and. And mm-hmm. that's the part that's always on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. not that hierarchy. It's like right. you're the decision maker. You're deciding mm-hmm. on. And so, therefore, the risks are a lot higher, right. which we already talked about. Right. So, mm-hmm. And you say you love mentoring mm-hmm. and you love teaching. What makes mm-hmm. a great teacher great, in your opinion? And a, and a, yeah. and a great student. And a great mm. student. Good. Yeah. So I think a good teacher is someone who is going to understand how someone learns um, and understand the person as best they can on, on how they would receive information and present it in a way that is easy to understand at their level. I think there's a lot of teachers that, especially in coding, I would say, <laughs> that um, teach really high, um, but they don't necessarily teach you how to think. I think learning how to think is really critical. Um, And then being a student, I think, is to get really absorbed into whatever it is that you're learning. Um, Don't treat it as a passe type thing, um, like a checklist, but um, how how can I apply this knowledge like ASAP? To me, that is the most critical piece of learning is the Mm -hmm. application piece Mm -hmm. that that so many students go through class to class, check, yep. got that class right. done, but not thinking how is all the information that I've learned, how can mm-hmm. I take it to the next level mm-hmm. and, and move yeah. with it? And now that I've graduated, I can't tell you how many students we work with who will say, okay, I've got a degree, but I really can't do anything, mm-hmm. right. as opposed to someone who would leave and, and have mm-hmm. an understanding that even the thinking that has been developed or mm-hmm. all of the things that you, the skills that you learn, you can mm-hmm. you, you yeah. use those. You know, yeah. there's a deeper layer to that, too, that I think about. And so we've all three of us had experience um, teaching and we've all had experience with students who will at times get an attitude about like, I don't even know I'm here or this hmm, is stupid yeah, yeah. or I don't know why they're making us do this. And I'll never need to know uh, how to read. Right. I'll never so, take a mm-hmm. test again. Right. Right. So, right. so here's the deeper <laughs> level of that. You're going to get that in life. So how are you handling that? Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting in a classroom going like, well, I don't, that's not even relevant to what I want to do. I don't even know why I'm sitting here or that's really dumb or that's really stupid or all the criticism that that goes into it. But if you translate what, 
you know, so what are you going to do about that? Like mm-hmm. it's your responsibility to do something about that. Mm-hmm. In life, you're going to get the same thing. Right. There are things, there are times when you're going to be in situations where you may think, I don't even know why I'm here. Why mm-hmm. am I here? But you need to look deeper because there is a reason why you're there. And mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. in startups, that happens all the time. And it's yeah. the you're, individual's responsibility. That's right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. It's the individual's responsibility. Unless you take that on, you're going to get stagnated right. mm-hmm. and negative and yeah. all the rest. So um, we have a few minutes. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, what would you – how would you kind of – wrap this all up in summary when you're thinking about, we started out talking about um, entrepreneurship, creative grit, and joy, um, and about your journey because you are creative, you're an entrepreneur, you have a lot of projects going, Mm -hmm. um, yet you seek seek to be in a joyful place and to Mm -hmm. do the work that is fulfilling for you. So how would you kind of wrap this all up as we kind of conclude today? Um, what, would, what would your message be to those people out there listening who may be either on a job and are looking to be joyful or the entrepreneur, the budding entrepreneur, mm-hmm, the person mm-hmm. is looking for the startup and going like, man, you know, I don't know if I can, do, I don't it. Know if I can do it. What mm-hmm. would your message be? I would say to stop uh, searching for what you, maybe what you're kind of, and goal. I believe in goals and stuff, but I, I feel like some people get attached to, well, you know, I want to do this business, but I can't. You know, it looks too hard, or I want to do this project, but I, I can't for some reason. Would be to just start creating. Just start somewhere, small step, whether that's just writing in your calendar. I'm going to think today of brainstorm or something today, um, is to just stop creating blocks that you put on yourself mm-hmm. which i am i do all the time to myself <laughs> um but is to just um keep learning and and find like go get your like team your support team whether that's your music artist or your find a mentor or mm-hmm. you know your someone in your ecosystem uh that find the joy yeah find it yeah, yeah. and um don't hesitate yeah don't don't overthink it just just yeah. start doing as Deb would say, we often hear is do the work, mm-hmm. do, the work do the work, do, do the, the work. work. And, it and, yeah. and when you find the joy in it, it will not be work. It'll, yeah, just, right. it'll just be joy. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Maria, thank you. Yeah. It thank was you awesome. So you usually hear is the co-host and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, asking all the questions. Bad. So. <laughs> too bad. Well, so. We're really happy that you uh, shared your story. Thank you yeah. so much. And uh We'll look forward to uh, our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Okay, see you. Take care.